This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. I'm Seth Payne. I played in the NFL for a long time. Now I host a radio show in Houston, Texas. My guest today is kind of a quasi-co-host, Drew Hodgson. We were teammates together on the Houston Texans, and today we started talking about the release of Tim Tebow. We moved on into athletes in the media, and from there we went to what it's like to travel as a retired professional athlete when you have to scale down your expectations a little bit. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. If you're already subscribed and you super enjoy it, give it a five-star review. That would be awesome. I really would appreciate it. Here we go. So, uh, so our guy Tebow got cut. Are you distraught over that? Yeah, I'm pretty devastated that the stars actually lined up the way they were supposed to. <laughs> did you did you feel like that was a mercy killing? Do you think Urban maybe actually wanted to give him more of a chance to to prove himself, but realized, all right, if it doesn't work out, it's just going to get more and more embarrassing? No, because I kind of feel like Urban Meyer is the sort of guy that does exactly what he wants to do. So if he had if he had any kind of inkling to keep him around to benefit his own grand plans or whatever it was that he had in mind for him, I think he would have done it. You I know, think that it would probably was pretty clear he just couldn't do it. Yeah, you know, I I'd seen Urban with some quotes at one point talking about how how different it is in the NFL because you have to cut guys. It's a difference, you know, in college football, you got almost 100 guys and you can do with them whatever you like. You can develop some guys, you keep them around and in, in the NFL, is just completely different. You have to cut those guys. And it always seems this is what I wonder. It, 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 it's easy to say at the beginning of training camp. Well, there's 90 guys. What's it even really matter? That's just one guy at the back of the roster where when you really start dicing the numbers and realizing, wait, I got to make decisions on guys who can play special teams. And there's it's convenient or, or simple sometimes to say, like, well, the back 10 or 20 guys aren't going to make it anyway. Those are guys that you might call up later in the year. So you you really can't waste time on a guy that's 
doesn't look like he's going to contribute at all. And oh, by the way, he's 35 years old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you only have so many days to get good, clean looks at guys who are actually going to help the team. Yeah. So if he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that at the very least, and you know, I mean, better than I do for sure, that it's just there are guys that really are a force on special teams. They're they're productive in other areas. And it's I, I can't speak to whether Tebow was doing that, but I just don't think that a 35-year-old guy who never had to do it was probably – dominant even in in that part of the game so he just wasn't doing enough to to turn heads how how rich do you think tim tebow is that's a good question i mean he was a first round pick right so it's a first like, round pick i'm guessing he tithed at least 10 percent of that and then he had to play about another, <laughs> right right yeah. so and i don't know what the deal is in I don't know what the deal is in Colorado with state income tax or, or whatnot, but figure he gave another 40% to the, to, to uncle Sam or so. So half of that was gone. I'm guessing he wasn't a high first round pick. So it was probably a few million dollars. Um, he got more than, he got more than a few four, uh, almost anybody, you know, in the first round around when he got drafted is going to make it, more than that. And then five, on top of was, that, it was five years, $11 million. So he made he made about after taxes he would have made about five or six million dollars and then right. another another couple minimum contracts after that and then I bet yeah I mean ESPN used to dole out one yes. million dollar contracts like yeah. nothing and I'm guessing I was gonna for say. him I bet he makes a million a year on ESPN he's it, doing it, all there right. was that yeah there was that stretch there where he you know he had some endorsement deals I mean it's he was on TV just doing kind of the the broadcasting deal and like you said a few years ago they were just dropping truckloads of money off of people that didn't even know what they're doing. That's so. one, of the, one of the funniest things I've seen in this business is as ESPN has made all these cuts, a lot of the, a lot of the personalities and talents like take it pretty well. And they're appreciative, you know, can saw Kenny Mayne be super appreciative of his time there, but then there's these others that are so damn entitled and don't understand just what a fantasy world bubble they were living in at ESPN forever. Because right. Because there was nothing that justified paying a lot of those people their salaries. Like there were so many people making over a million dollars a year that and there were not people tuning in specifically to watch those guys. Like in radio, radio, it's pretty simple. You have a radio show, you have endorsements, and you either make money for the station or you don't. And it's a really simple ROI. Right. Like, okay, guys that bring in a lot of advertisers get paid really well. And if you're not bringing in advertisers and, and you know, tied into that as having a whole bunch of listeners and everything, then you're not going to get paid that money where ESPN, I feel like they just, they always wanted to have the preeminent talent. So they just threw boatloads of money at anybody and everybody, many of whom were very talented, but still were making way more money than they were actually worth. I feel well, like- it, it- it didn't always feel like it was the preeminent talent across the board. It felt like they had actual legitimate talent in yeah. tenure and, and guys who were savvy. And then they had guys that were just preeminent names. And so they would get a name and throw them in, hoping that they would garner some kind of attention. And then they would learn on the job yeah. or whatever it was, which was just like, to me, you know, I'm like, Hey, those guys really, it's it's interesting that they didn't see what it actually looks like after until after they left for the guys that get out of football and realize that just because you're good at football doesn't mean you're actually hyper skilled at everything. Yeah, and well, they learned that lesson afterwards. Well, like what they tried with Jason Witten, that was a classic case. Hey, NFC East oh. guy, 
uh, you know, Hall of Fame caliber player, played for the Cowboys, not just NFC East, but he played for the Cowboys. He'll yeah. be just like Romo, <laughs> and you throw him in there, and it. it, it he, I they've they've come around though, because now a lot of their former athletes are guys who weren't necessarily the preeminent superstars. Like Orlovsky right. would be the, the classic example. Orlovsky is one of their right. top guys, and he kind of earned his way into it just because he was good. And you don't have to pay him. You don't have to pay him you know, money that competes with what guys were making as NFL players. Right. right. So like you try to lure, you try to lure Peyton Manning into the broadcast booth. You throw $20 million at him. And he's like, well, you know, <laughs> you I can believe it. I got a half billion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, it, it was so weird. I mean, that we would text about it, about, you know, Jason Witten and some of those other guys. Cause it just used to, I mean, it would like trigger me to no end. Like my blood <laughs> would just boil listening to that guy. Cause it was, it was a it was the worst possible combination of trying to mount some kind of shtick that he was yeah. trying to latch onto, combined with just like brutal misinformation, which made no <laughs> sense. It yeah. made no sense because he 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 knows. So it was really weird. You know what? It's it's interesting. What gets guys sometimes is you know things, but then when you try to when you try to tailor that to television, where they're always telling you, "Hey, you've got twenty seconds to make your point." It's it's more difficult than it would seem on the surface. It's like writing right. poetry, you know, like, how am I going to, I was actually, I was talking to James Palmer from the NFL network and cause he and I worked together in Houston for a while and we've kept up. And he was telling me when he has, I think when he has a one minute hit, he can make three points and it basically it's like one or two sentences per point, or he can make two points with, and one statistic on top of that in time to explain the statistic. So if you think about, okay, a minute to speak and say something pertinent about three different things. You've got to choose right. your words really wisely, right. which for somebody that's a, a broadcast professional is hard enough. When you're somebody who's been getting hit in the head for over a decade as a tight end, it's, it's four times as difficult. Yeah, it is. And, it, and especially because, and you saw this a little bit with Romo too, where they still had, it's like they just weren't away from the game maybe long enough because they were still dialed into this personal stakes. Yeah. conflict with every game you're watching and i'm like buddy you're you're not out there anymore it's okay. oh so now were you with romo were you were you not as enthusiastic about him as uh, as a lot of people were oh were i i mean i right out of the gate i i, I couldn't stand him <laughs> i mean i cannot and i still i've never been able to i thought the whole thing was just like such a farce i mean oh, really <laughs> oh I, I enjoyed him i liked his enthusiasm oh, I stand it i did a lot it, of people love it i mean a lot of people love it they think it's great and infectious and i i i understand it but as someone who is trying to be aware of the fact that like what if this guy was behaving like that when i was playing i would roll my eyes so hard they would like fly out of the back of my skull oh yeah so, yeah if that were if, that, if you were behaving that way around the guys or something it would be annoying as hell that right. was the thing that drove me nuts about him was that he would when he would call out the play he would get it right i would say less than 50 percent of the time right so it drove yes. me insane that he's making an educated guess based on situation and coverage and pre-snap look and the tendencies that he yeah. already knows and he just he actually wasn't all that impressive at it but no. people just remembered because what happens is they take the clips of the times he's right and they put him out there. So you see those on social media and everything. And yeah. it starts feeling like he's always right. I, I do think that he's gotten as he's gotten further away from the game and from having like in-depth scouting reports as a player, 
it, it's you can tell that he hasn't put the work in. Like he's not no, as prepared it's got, it's as he was worse. three years ago. Yeah, not at all. I think but, that's why that's why it was so funny. Is I'm like, you guys clearly have not been watching like Troy Aikman or yeah. Chris Collinsworth. Right. I mean, those guys are really good. And, and they're, they're prepared, not, like they know the yes, teams. Yeah, that's very exactly prepared. right. They would bring up specific points about individual players and not just quarterbacks. Yeah, they would talk about linebackers. They would talk about the offensive line, and they would be completely on top of their game. This is the difference, though, Sean uh, Drew. And this is what happens: is that everybody thinks that they want the technical breakdown, but really they're just lying them lying to themselves, and they're right. saying what they're they're saying what they want people to perceive they are. Which is yes, what I what I need is an in depth technical breakdown with ten and formations and whatnot when really what they want is a little bit of that but a whole bunch of enthusiasm so i think yeah. that's what romo gives because he's enthusiastic so it's they want more john madden like in madden madden was so way smarter than he ever let on in the broadcast madden would yeah. just give you just the the surface scratch of what he knew you know and and he would kind of sneak in his his thoughts about what what was about to happen he wouldn't make a huge display of it or anything so it's yeah. just be enthusiastic and then and then uh, throw in a little bit of technical uh, you're, talk. You're, uh, God, you're so you're so spot on with that. That's exactly what it is. I mean, they they don't want to actually hear the clear, concise, accurate analysis. Right. They want to hear a mirror image of their own idiotic takes. It's and so <laughs> it's that that that's what I think it is. Like they they want to hear their own justification in it, and then if it's ever wrong, uh, we all have a short memory. I, that's fine. They'll move I, on to the next one. But it's, I do it's think that. Nuts. One thing Roma does a better job of, though, than some of the guys that do arguably arguably better technical stuff is he does take you to the kind of the first person experience. He'll he'll talk about what it's like. OK, mm-hmm. oh, here, this is what the quarterback is seeing. And I think a lot of the commentators, if they would just if they would do that more just to be like, hey, this is what it feels like when you realize that you're that that the the corner is blitzing and he's unaccounted for stuff like right. that. Um because it, it, sometimes you just get too you get too into the X's and O's instead of the feeling about it. So I I enjoy him. I don't. I think much like Tim Tebow, my issue with Romo is more what people say about him than with Romo himself. Same way with Tebow. I don't think that many people actually dislike Tebow. I think they they dislike what his most ardent supporters say about him, which like asinine things like, "Well, he only didn't make it because he's religious or because of uh, religious persecution." I mean, yeah, you're you're right. He's he's a great example of a lot of these public figures now that the public figures themselves, and there's tons of celebrities like this, I feel like, that become disliked because of their fa- their followers and their fan base, just yeah. like Tebow, and not because of anything inherently that they're doing. It's because they have an obnoxious following. <laughs> yeah, I and know. it was the same way where you're watching Tebow, like it looked like he was like shot putting a rock in the ocean. And you have people just like, you know, defending it to oblivion. And it, it's it's insane. Tebow's followers are to Tebow what David Koresh was to Jesus. Like uh, just a <laughs> just a complete just just a complete yeah, violation like of, of all other standards and expectations and everything. So they're uh, that's that's what those the true Tebowites are just a little too ardent. That's the problem. Yeah, that's exactly that's it. The Church of Tebow needs I to was, be reined um, in. I, I was the reason I asked you how much Tebow made was long long chain to get to that, but there was a story that Dan Levitard put out once that <laughs> that Trent Dilfer was one of those guys that was trying to play hardball with ESPN, and that um and that what happened when he finally left was that he had demanded. 
a private jet fly him to his appearances for whichever games he was doing, which I don't think he was even doing games was he was a studio analyst, but he wanted a private jet to take him to and from uh, his, his gigs on the weekend. And his argument was that, um, Oh, oh darn it. What's his name? Ohio state, uh, uh, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, that right. Kirk Herbstreet got a private jet. And yeah, Kirk Herbstreet gets a private jet because he does college game day and then flies directly to a game and does color commentary that night, you know, and because he's, like a huge asset to the station. He's the face of college football for a lot of people. But Trent Dilfer, Trent Dilfer was one of these ESPN personalities that just didn't get it. They didn't realize like, no, you're not, you're not private jet worthy. Do you know how much a private jet costs? Yeah, it's outrageous. I remember when we would do charity events and they would throw in like a gift bag. Like when you go to like the Oscars or something, you hear about these gift bags that people get and they would throw in a gift bag and it would be like 4% off your next net jets. (laughs) <laughs> and I was just like, awesome. Awesome. I can't wait. To, I can't. It's wait like to throwing a this. lawn chair off the Titanic. What that about, is not, that is not enough. What if me. you got, what if you got audited and had to pay taxes on that 4% yeah, discount? Or something exactly. <laughs> you didn't disclose that this uh, net jets was discounted, sir. I, I apologize. I it's know. like, um, it's like $10,000 an hour for a midsize jet. So yeah. like ten thousand dollars an hour, if you're going, if you're going to halfway across the country and it's a three-hour flight, that's thirty thousand. It's sixty thousand dollars round trip. That's insane. Now for a smaller one, it's like I don't know, but somewhere between five and ten thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. I I crossed it off my list. There was one temp- point in my life where I thought, you know, like at some point, I'd like to uh, I'd like to have my own private jet. And now I'm at the point where I think that if I I don't, I'd have to be making an ungodly amount of money for me to have my own net jets account or like have my own private jet, even if it was something I could totally afford. I, don't, I just don't think I could do it. No, the, 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 the amount you have to be making to justify that kind of cost when you can just get like a sweet first class seat yeah. for uh one, one hundredth. Yeah. Cost, yeah. It's a, depending on what you're It's the scale is, uh, is outrageous. The, well, that, well, the thing that always stopped me, like when I was a player, when I had, you know, more expendable income that uh, like I saved money, but I also didn't uh, I didn't like, like I spent money at a greater rate than what I knew I was going to spend in retirement. I splurged a little bit, you know, um, I could never I could never really bring myself to do it because I knew that that one trip was a year's tuition for one of my relatives. Right. <laughs> like I was like, ah, I could. OK, I'll go ahead and fly first class and I'll take care of my sister for, you know, for another yeah. year of grad school or something. Right. But I, I don't know. I guess they're making. How much would you have to be making to do to, to fly regularly on private jet? Ten million a year? Oh God! Yeah, regularly. But then, but then at that yeah, point, you're spending it's million, one of those things yeah. where it, it's all it's all relative, right? It's like whenever I see people that have. Yeah, I mean, even when I was in Chicago, you know, and there were there were guys like in the corporate world that I would bump elbows with, and they would have like a yacht year yeah. round on the lake. Which is which is an insane expense there, and you're only using it two months out of the year. And I'm just thinking, like, I even if you're making ten million, the you know, rest the of that is- money you're spending, can't, <laughs> you could do so many other things with that money. But they are so already. But things. you know what? They they're could doing it. They yeah. could. Yeah, they're already doing that, or they're just doing like they're still saving an ungodly amount of money too. You know, so they're yeah. already saving an ungodly amount of money. And there's a part where you just, just look. The stuff that we spend money on, if you took somebody in a third world country and said, like, hey, do you know how much you know how much Seth spent on lattes this year? 
they would totally say like, well, I don't care how much money I'm making. I'm never going to be spending enough money to buy four yaks. You know, on, what, I could buy my own yak and make yaks milk lattes. For that I, amount of money. I, I reject the premise. I reject <laughs> the premise because that is a, that is a uh, what do they call it? It's like, you know, too real, too actual. And, yeah, <laughs> too, too on the nose. Yeah. You know, like I could yeah. feed an entire village with how much I cost to get to get my truck lifted. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, so, you know what? I, it's easy to be, it's easy to be a, a reverse snob and say that I would never actually do it. But I think I, I probably would. I think realistically, I would probably I'd have a jet. I would have like seven flight attendants per person on the jet. I would do every I would do every gaudy, unimaginable, obnoxious thing if I had loads and loads of like if I had billionaire money. Well, well are we I mean, are we? You- <laughs> I mean, then you get into it where if there's an element of celebrity, yeah. like famedom, then it's obnoxious to travel everywhere all the time. So oh, I can yeah, appreciate, that's true. If you're like a you know Kardashian, I mean? yeah, or, exactly. And you're but like getting like, on a because yeah. you're not even you're like you're not protected just because you're in first class at that point. The guy sitting next to you in first class is going to talk your ear off. Exactly. Like you're just, yeah. 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 And I don't you know, if, if I'm Kim Kardashian, I don't want to talk to you, sir. I don't. Even if you're these days, even if you're YouTube famous, famous, you probably you probably (sighs) get. Yeah. (laughs) Is that you? Yeah, I was uh, hard. I was the the reason I was actually thinking about all that was because I had to book out like four flights and I did. I did four flights three months in advance. And I feel like the most responsible and adult like I've ever been because I was counting all the money I was saving by by actually doing it in advance and i'm you know I'm, I'm not to brag but i'm platinum on united right now and uh which means Whoa, that I get, okay I get, to, I get to pick well for, for one if i fly on wednesdays and saturdays there's a good chance i get bumped up but if i don't fly on saturdays and wednesdays uh then i i still get i can usually get the emergency exit row seat or uh, definitely one of the premium extra legroom seats and it's not bad it's fun. that's my version of uh, of private air travel from here on out <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's funny, though, how like we've just slowly over time, they've degraded all the benefits to such a degree yeah. that your platinum status has earned you the ability to not be shoehorned in a middle seat in the back of a plane. Oh, it's oh like yeah. Crazy how that just that that Overton window has just completely shifted. I'm such a sucker for the whole tier system, too. Like they Same. put that carrot on a stick and I've mm-hmm. done I've been flying United almost exclusively. Like, you know, I've 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 paid more on flights. I've given up. Uh, I've given up better time slots just because I, I need that one K status, man. I need that one. I need to be able to. <laughs> I got to Man, I got to get in. I got to get on in front of those those people right. with small children and everything. <laughs> yeah, I've been, exactly. I, I don't know how many more miles I need, but I think like I think these three flights are going to get me up to one K and then uh, then it'll be no stop. I think the only people they let on in front of one K are the active uh, service members. And, uh, and, and one day, maybe maybe if I get above one K, I can like get get an honorary uh, enlistment in the Marines or something and I can get on with those guys. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I've unfortunately I haven't had the ability to allocate all my miles into one airline. I've had this horrendous situation where I have to catch certain flights, and now you know it's all been it's all oh, really beat up. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, a little bit. Well, I'm like I'm status on American, which has been like pretty decent, but it's like the my old boss was one of the people that it was like that movie with George Clooney where he was like the up, in, like the up in the air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where he's like the Uber platinum status, whatever it is. And he was that guy and we had a connecting flight and they brought a car out onto the tarmac Whoa. and we got off the plane and they drove us on the tarmac to the other plane. 
Nice. We were running late because he yeah. was like that super one K whatever. Yeah, exactly. He was like the, he was like the third most traveled person in the, in the, within the whole structure. See, that's even that in, in some ways is even better than flying private because then you don't have to organize anything at all. You're just doing, you just organize it, getting your flight on the internet and everything. And then all that same stuff happens. What, what about when you were, didn't you used to fly to Central America a lot? Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was all American. I've done everything through American, but it's like, but they did that whole deal where I think it was, you know, it was the same way where, you know, you have to like, they don't accrue over time. Like you can't maintain your status if you take like a year of not right. traveling intensely. Yeah. And I like, didn't do it for like a year. And then, you know, you have to basically start over. Yeah. I'm in it for the long run. Drew. Yeah. No, uh, I respect yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, I'm committed. I'm going to, I'm going to keep the status, whether it, you, if it, even if it breaks me financially, I'm going to take Do you feel disappointed though? Do you remember, do you not remember? Cause I was doing, I used to be United too. And then they merged and they kind of suck now. Uh, they're, they're not, they're it's, not great. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, uh, look, I'm, I'm not going uh, to force you to throw them under the bus. on a, podcast, a uh, look, but, as, as somebody who would never risk his <laughs> status. By speaking ill of the company, I like to call it the company. Oh, uh, hold them hostage. Tell yeah, them you I, will if they don't yeah, get their yeah. act together. You know what? I never do either. I don't like to. I don't like to at companies and complain about them on social media. I try oh, to. You mean how like eighty percent of my tweets are only mentioning AT and T? and then politicians. Yeah, I mean, that's one specific politician. AT like, and T John Cornyn. Like, is that the sweet spot? <laughs> yeah, those two. I was like, vile bedfellows. Those two. I was like, hey, Drew, you should get your Twitter going. <laughs> You're yeah. like, yeah, I'll do that. No three problem. months later, I look at there's a tweet about John Cornyn from three years ago and a bunch of AT&T. I'm going to pay. I should pay you in uh, customer service complaints. I'll go. Uh, I'll complain publicly and they'll have to respond to it because I've got at least a little. I've got a few Twitter followers and all that. So uh, that, that's your payment from now on that and uh, discounts on NetJets flights. Yeah, I appreciate that. Please use that sway. I found uh, when I was when I was looking this up, actually, I was looking up something on air travel and there was a Reddit thread with a whole bunch of flight attendants on there and pilots talking about what you don't know about the flight industry. This one I'm skeptical of. I don't know because, you know, Reddit, you never know for sure on these people on Reddit if they are who they say they are. This guy says he's a pilot here. Don't drink the coffee, the wa- the coffee, the water comes from the onboard system that has the fill port right next to the port the lavatories are drained from. The water system routinely fails E. coli checks. Also, when you wash your hands using the same water, make sure you always use the soap. Lastly, don't put your food directly on the tray tables. Well, of course, I wouldn't, wouldn't put the food like you're not going to put your biscuit on one of those tray tables. Well, you don't know. Yeah. Don't you flip the tray over and you use the table as a plate? That's not how you. Is that you how do you that? do it? Like with a, if it's yeah. a foldable one, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I flip it over and then I eat directly off the tray. Because you figure that was the uh, yeah on the underside. Nobody would ever put anything on that. Exactly. They would never put their grimy fingers on it. I'm not know if I. I'm gonna keep drinking the coffee. Yeah, I figure yeah. the the coffee's hot enough that it's gonna it's gonna kill the germs, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I just think the E. coli, e. coli thing. You're not dodging that bullet. People are. If people were getting E. coli, it'd be it'd be over. One of the flight attendants. You're right. Yeah. If it were really an issue, there'd be getting a ton of people getting getting mm-hmm. sick all the time. Okay. Uh, another flight attendant said that 90% of their training is for the 0.1% of the job that they hope they never have to use. It's all emergency training. So 
she says she listen to me the, the pictures of a woman okay so i'm not mm-hmm. um i'm no, not i got it you're, you're, you're 1950s the, 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 you the, see the you see the yeah. picture here it's a it's a female yeah. flight attendant uh-huh. um, yeah, stewardess yeah i went to <laughs> the air waitress yeah uh went to train gal Went to training for six weeks and spent three days on service. They trained to fight fires, treat medical emergencies, evacuate a plane in record time, and much more. Service is still a very important the job, part of the job, but the majority goes into emergency situations. I don't know if I'm buying that they only spent three days on service. Is that possible? I guess it's. it's I mean, it technical. tracks. It tracks based on my experience. Yeah. I. Well, this is the problem. Their service is is. I mean, I'm not going to like sit here and try to romanticize when I was younger and it was fantastic, but I don't, I don't remember it being quite as like hostile as it is now. I think they get treated more hostily too. And plus people are perpetually disappointed that they're not getting meals or that their meal is only a snack or uh, and the snacks have even gotten great. I feel, I feel like there's less salt on the pretzels than there used to be. Um, Yeah. I think that, I think that you should be able to leave tips via an app for your flight attendants. I agree. I used to think feedback, but I don't think like the flight attendants unions are pretty strong. I don't think they'd probably allow that or go for that, but don't I think they would go for yeah. tips. Would <laughs> Yeah. They just, wouldn't. <laughs> they just don't give a shit. Like that's, the, that's the bigger, that's the bigger point. They definitely, my energy, but the take that I get from them is they give, no shits. That you is think- not the their their energy is like when they're flying down the aisle with that cart, and I know this has happened to you, and they just obliterate your elbow. <laughs> yeah. And don't even they don't even say anything now. Now it's just like they bash it and just keep cruising right down the aisle, barely losing any speed. Sorry about your bursa wow. sack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for the elbow do you fracture. Think, do you think the reception area at the flight attendants union is just a receptionist sitting in a jump seat staring at you hostily? Like you walk. <laughs> You walk in and she's just staring at you, begging you to ask her for something that she'll refuse. Point to the the seatbelt sign or something. I've been I've been treated very well by the flight attendants in my life, including uh, we landed in Bush at Bush in Houston uh, a couple weeks ago. And we're stuck on the tarmac for I think it was an hour and 15 minutes. Mm. And I I had to pee super bad. And all I did was I, I politely asked if I could. You know, I made the motion and I, I made the motion to my bladder. Yeah, he could have. Boy, that could have gone south. You pointed it's also at your crotch and you did yeah. like a weird shake. <laughs> I didn't. It. I kind of went like that and pointed at the bathroom. And she she accurately interpreted my intentions. And instead of thinking that I was like, you know, suggesting a, that you were a twist or something, her yeah. a ride on your groin. Yeah. And I did. The, I did the old finger in the index loop thing. And everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like no, the, but old, she, the old J.O. motion. And yeah. uh, she said. Yeah. She, uh, but she let me use the bathroom. So she's, uh, in, I, I feel like most airline employees, if you're super polite to them, they appreciate it because they've been treated like shit 10 times mm-hmm. that day. Just like in real life, like when somebody's treated poorly in relationships and whatnot. Oh, yeah. You're not going to win that battle by, by trying to be rude to them. All right. So good. We got a lot of good football talk in today. Um, and uh, what did we learn? Tim Tebow probably not flying private jets unless he's been off, unless unless a mega pastor from a mega church is flying him on that or actually okay Tebow flies on private jets all the time because um yeah. Un- University of Florida definitely flies in places to talk to people and then a lot of these evangelical mega churches and everything have their own private jets too so they're probably flying him in to talk to places and, yeah, uh, I could yeah. see that. He's going to get on that circuit for sure. I'm excited to see what the next sport is that he tries to take on. 
politics. He was born in the Philippines. Is he a natural born U.S. citizen? Oh, God, what a great conspiracy theory. Did you want to start one? No, we can can launch this right here. You heard it here first. Seth says that he's not. I don't I I don't like getting into that debate, especially because there seems to be no actual correct answer to it. That was one of the. Honestly, it was one of those areas from the Constitution where you remind it like that, like, oh, yeah, the per capita alcohol consumption back then was absurd. These guys were drunk all the time because they put in natural born citizen in the Constitution with no real definition for what a natural born U.S. citizen is. So there's all kinds of ideas about exactly what it is. But you can argue a lot about it, kind of like the Second Amendment is just it's written very, very poorly. And yeah. you can you can mount a really strong argument for whatever you want because there's a few either errantly or haphazardly placed commas that make it super confusing. Like there's these stupid like like a, a man as brilliant as James Madison can't be bothered to sit and like proofread exactly what the Second Amendment looks like. Well, isn't isn't the argument? I mean, we're both obviously constitutional scholars. Yes, but yes. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, clearly. No, yeah, like, honestly, if you've ever wanted to go somewhere where two people knew less about the topic, yeah. they're going to pretend like they're they're educated. Off. But uh, but I've heard. Yes. That, uh, that was all by design, that the ambiguity is there is a level of intent behind the ambiguity. Oh, no, 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 no. That's uh, that's people that, that that comes from a day back when people like worshipped the first uh, yeah, the, sure. the founding yeah. fathers. Like they were every almost, mistake was was. On yes. Purpose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Because because uh, there's also I don't know. I had one history teacher telling me that, like, look, they didn't think this thing was going to last more than right. 40 or 50 years. They figured it'd have to be revised at some point. And yeah. I mean, it was and, and it we was, almost yeah. made it. We almost made it. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they revised. They added amendments and whatnot. Um, no, no, no. But the actual just if you read if you read certain parts of the Constitution, it's it's especially the Second Amendment. You can see where I can see where people on both sides of any topic concerning the Second Amendment can can feel like, no, it's clear. It says it this way. And then the other person says, no, it's clear. What they mean is this. So I don't know. So I stay the hell out of it. And I just uh, I drink more just like the founding fathers. Did you know that only did you know that only 10 percent? At the time of the revolution, only 10% of Americans belonged to a church. It was like for as often as for as often as the founding fathers get cited in various religious right. arguments and whatnot, they were now I don't there I mean there weren't I, I think that doesn't mean only 10% of people believed in God or only 10% were Christians, but they just they weren't nearly as devoutly religious as they would become when really what happened was well, politicians hadn't weaponized it yet. Well, well, that, but so. also because people were <laughs> they still figured, they hadn't on, unlocked the cheat code to get I mean, people to vote for you. There were still, uh, you know, there were people were coming from England where they're just the, mm-hmm. even the Protestant Reformation was still relatively strict. And there was a Church of England, you know, um, and it was kind of like the blossoming and proliferation of different ideologies within mm-hmm. Christianity that really exploded because it was like free, feel free to explore the room. And people did. And it just, it, it got, that's when things got crazy. And I think it was so the early, whenever the first revival was like the first, uh, the, or the, uh, the awakening, I don't know. It was just, it was a different time. So now we're way off the rails. So no, to- this is a good, good segue into our other podcast, which is uh, made up almost mostly true American history facts. <laughs> oh, you are, do you doubt the 10 percent 
No, uh, no, I, I believe it. I actually, I'm, I'm pretty confident in any of the anecdotes you threw out there. No, well, you know what though, but I was on an audio book that I was listening to as I was driving. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fact check it right now. Belong to what was the name of that book? It was these truths. It was, uh, so look up the book, these truths. And we'll talk about that next time. All right. I got to run, buddy. I got to go. I got to go buy more coach seats on off travel days and hope that I get bumped up to first nice. class. I like it. Living the dream. <laughs> All right, man. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.